in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call? All right, here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode 322. Um, sweetheart, why are we playing this theme song that we've heard so, so many times? Um, because we are going to talk today about why words and images make a difference in people's lives, in our children's lives, in our lives, um, how we actually change the way our brain functions based on what we see and hear. Um, so uh, that is exactly right, sweetheart. But I didn't really explain why Ghostbusters is what. No, we, we will. Played. But let me let me at least introduce the show. Okay. Uh, this is Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 322. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? I do. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is what, sweetheart? A parent's self-understanding. That's right. We must understand ourselves. Um, so we are going to talk about why words and images matter. So why don't we begin at the beginning in the words of James Lipton? That's the first question he always says. Let's begin at the Let's beginning. Let's begin at the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you born? Um, so we saw Ghostbusters last week. We did. And it was really kind of funny. It was really good. I was shocked. I was, you know, it was interesting because I kind of had a feeling I was going to take the girls. Like, this movie's been out for a few weeks, so it's not like we're, like, ahead of the game here. Um, because I have three daughters, and I was in seventh or eighth grade when Ghostbusters came out. And even though we just watched the original the other night and I didn't think it was that great, um, for some reason it really interested me when I was that age. I think yeah. it was more the song and all the novelty around it. It was a marketing genius. Uh, it was a genius marketing because we just two nights ago watched the original. Well, I just said that. And it really wasn't that good. I just said that. Yeah. Exactly. But it was like, you're right. Like it was, we were watching it and there was, a lot of it was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just such an 80s movie. Right. There's a lot of things that would never happen in movies, like they have cigarettes the whole time. Yeah, they're everybody smoking. Um, the way that Bill Murray treats Sigourney Weaver at the beginning of the movie is so inappropriate. Well, and there's plenty of inappropriate movies out there. It just wasn't... Some movies age well. Yes. And other movies Stand don't. Stand By Me age well. Oh, my God. Forget about it. Um, Stand By Me is one of the greatest ever. Forrest Gump age well. Is it Mr. Gump? Mrs. Gump. And many, many others that we could go through that we've shared with our daughters, but a few of them that don't. But anyway, going back to the Ghostbusters that we saw in the movie theater, I really got taken in by a lot of the negative reviews at the very beginning. And I, I was... I was connected to the fact that a lot of the negative reviews were based on people not wanting women to play these roles and to redo this movie. So I was at least clued into the fact that some of the negative reviews were just simply sour grapes. Right. They were just, you know, since the movie was announced and the people in it were announced, um, they've received so much negative backlash. Um, actually, when the movie came out, uh, Leslie Jones, who's in the movie, who's so funny, she got totally Twitter trolled mm -hmm. by a guy um, so badly that people had to like really on Twitter, like come and help her support her, support her. And he eventually got kicked off Twitter. It was so bad, mm. which then there was another movement saying he has free speech. Mm. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, we just go back and forth. Yeah, he doesn't have what happens is you don't get arrested unless it's a hate crime. Correct. But it, there was it was racial. 
It, there was some hate crime. R- that, okay, but uh, Twitter is a private company. Correct. And if they don't want to let you on it, it's not a First Amendment violation. Correct. And people misinterpret the First Amendment. All the it just time. means you're not going to jail. But anybody can remove you from anything in a private setting. So, exactly. anyways. Well, but that's how bad it got. Like, that people just so wanted to make their point that women couldn't do this movie. So I kind of was a little disconnected to it. And then I know I saw that a friend had taken her kids. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do a family night. Let's go see this movie. And I was surprised at how emotional I was watching this movie. It, first of all, it's hilarious. So it's not like it's supposed to make you cry. I have just never been to a movie where the four leads were women and that the whole movie was based on their skill set how smart they were and their willingness to do good things for people. I there's no other movie like that. Right. Like there's probably a lot of female comedies that are rated R like Well, uh, like we talked about Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids and things like that, but this is pretty wholesome but it isn't like babyish. It's not like it's a Disney movie. This is like an in-between really good movie just for girls. And maybe there's a bunch of movies out there that we don't know about, but we're pretty on track with Hollywood, and th- this does not exist. It's new, and and the thing is, is you can say, well, what about this movie starring these women and these women? But it's always based around sex. either sex, they're trying to get a man, their incompetence, they're needing to be saved, they're arguing with each other, they're backstabbing. This was just friendship, smarts, humor, mm-hmm. all the things that I know women to be, yeah. like the truth about women, and I... So I could cry right now, but at the end, they showed all the women who starred in it, like, you know, at the very end during the credits, and yeah. it would show one of the Ghostbusters, and it would say, like, Kristen Wiig right. or, you know, Kate McKinnon. And I was tearing up. Mm-hmm. I was like, I am so glad my girls get to see this. I'm glad I get to. And, it, you know, I'm so glad that my girls are seeing this, and in Michelle Obama's words, taking this for granted. Yeah. Because what, what is the quote? Do you remember? She said that Michelle Obama said that her daughters, you know, who have been raised in the White House now take for granted that a woman can be president because they've seen it. They've grown up with it. So to them, it's normal. And for my girls to be at a comedy where these women are so smart and not just smart, but they're like tough, man. Mm -hmm. And they're creating these these things that they're busting the ghost with. You know, Kate McKinnon's character is like the the, the physicist, yeah, yeah, who like puts all these things together, and she's like, "Try this, try this," and they're like total badasses. Mm-hmm. And when you put all those pieces together, you're like, "That's the women I know. Right. That's the reality of women. Women are not real housewives backstabbing everybody, simply concerned about getting a man. Are there people like that? Of course, but that's not the real. That's not the majority of women I yeah. know. It's definitely not me. The bell-shaped curve. You got yes. the outliers on this side, outliers on that side. The majority are a bunch of good people that are not even close to what is indicated in movies. In the media, exactly. Now, this I will say, our girls are, um, one of my daughters is almost nine, um, 11, and then 13. So it actually says on Common Sense Media 10 plus that kids should be 10 and older because there's ghosts. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, now to me, it's more humorous than anything. I mean, all the ghost slime and, you know, it's not like a really super ridiculous scary movie. Yeah, it's not like horror movie scary, but th- there are some there's uh, some scenes. creepiness yeah. to the ghost, but then there's the silly funny ghosts too. So they lighten it up. The same like little uh, goofy ghost yeah, that's the, in the, the, the green, first ghost. The sli- I think they called him slime. Slime. Slimer. Yeah. Slimy. So he so 
my youngest sat next to me. Now she's watched plenty of Scooby-Doo and she likes to be scared and that kind of stuff. But this was probably the oldest movie she's ever seen. And so there were certain parts, like at the very beginning, I just said, you know, cover your eyes. And she did. And it was, she got the gist. Let me just say that. So I'm saying to those of you who have children, make sure you monitor what your children can see and can't see. Make that decision for yourself. Um, like I said, common sense media says 10 and above. Um, but I, the, the gist of what I want to talk about was that images matter. And for my children and my daughters to see funny, strong women like that on screen, it makes a difference. Yeah. And at the very end of the movie, there's this part. I'm not ruining anything by saying this. This is not a part, a big plot point. But all the women go out on kind of like a balcony. And they actually say, because they're kind of not getting the feedback that they thought they'd get, you know, for doing what they did. And they actually say, some people out there know what we're doing. Yeah. And I thought that's a total subtle message. subtle message that there are people like me and I think like many of you who know exactly what they're doing yeah. and that they have changed the way little girls look at what a woman and what a girl can do. Yeah. And we, you know, we put a lot of power into this because then more movies like this will be made. When this movie, when Bridesmaids did well. Only way to do it is to support it. It's kind of like organic food. Unless we buy it, people are going to stop making it. That's right. And and again, is the movie perfect? No. no. But neither are any movies with l- men in it. I was, I was a little... Well, Star Wars, sweetie. Well... That's perfect. I know. I'm... Yeah. Back up. Back up. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Jump back. <laughs> Jump back. Um, I was going to say something. I don't remember what it was. doesn't matter. About organic food? About buying things? Who knows? Well, so... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so our partners, our first one is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, she treats uh, our family, so you should give her a call or look at her email or webpage, chirotree.com, 630-941-8733. Thank you, Dr. Kelly, for all your support. That's it. Okay. So my question to you is, did you want to talk about the interview, the Fresh Air interview that we listened to, or do you want me to talk about this article I have in front of me? Let's talk about the article that you have in front of you. Okay. So we really wanted to focus on why words make a difference and images, like we just said with the movie. Well, you know what? Let me go back to this. Um I also want to say that last week was somewhat of a moving week um, because we saw Ghostbusters, and we also saw a woman be nominated for president. And again, you know, take your politics out of it for a second. My girls watched that. And my girls watched a lot of strong women stand up there and talk. And they watched a woman be a nominee for president. And I had many of the same emotional feelings about that for the same reason. Obviously, it's a much more important thing in our world than a movie. Right. But it's a similar kind of brain um, connection where when that becomes a reality, then there's a lot of – there was actually a quote that um, Hillary Clinton said where she said, once the ceiling is broken, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Once you break a ceiling, then it literally doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You can't say this has never happened. Yeah. Um, and so it just – it frees up space for girls to think about that as a possibility. And not only that, I'll speak on behalf of the men out there or the boys, is it's important that they see this as as well. It's not, I mean, it's, it's sometimes so easy for us to go down the path of our daughters still need to see this. No, if you have sons, it's important that they have an awareness that, yeah, a woman could be president. 
when I was little, either that wasn't even a possibility. Yeah. You know, it, off subject, or it's same subject, but interesting. I'm reading this book about empathy called Born for Love. I talked about it last week, but it's really deep and very research-based. And one of the things they found, they were talking about men or boys or teenagers who are more aggressive with girls, um, have more uh, possibility of sexually assaulting or raping girls. And one of the things they found statistically is that boys who are segregated, separated from girls, like, oh, and I know, Todd, you went to an all-boys school, so I'm not trying to throw all-boys schools under the bus, but boys who don't grow up with sisters or don't grow up with a mother they're very connected to or aunts and also go to an all-boys school are much more likely to see girls. Statistically. Exactly. I believe that. I completely believe that. They see them as the other. They see them as less valuable and less valued, and so it's much more, much easier for them to do something harmful to them. Their empathy for women hasn't kicked in. Yeah. So your point um, about seeing these things changes the way not just girls, but boys see girls and women. Yeah. They When we see women and girls valued in our society as a whole, especially in a media or political arena, then maybe in our own home we don't have that. Yeah. But our at least our you know, our world starts to reflect that back to us. Right. So it really is a thing. For sure. I mean this is a thing. So Going back to words, um, this actually, this article is wonderful because it's a book literally called, Todd, Words Can Change Your Brain. Mm. Um, And it's uh, written by two people, two professors. Um, They're part of the integrative medicine at Thomas Jefferson University and Medical College. Um, And so their book is all about that minds are hardwired to respond favorably to certain types of speech and negatively to others. Um, So starting in childhood, humans' brains are molded and changed by the words they hear. Um, And they are also saying that teaching children to use positive words helps them with their emotional control and even increases their intention span. Hmm. So the more... And you first have to have an understanding that the thing we talk about on the show all the time is that people, first of all, are born good, innately good, that everything is set up for them brain-wise, that if things go the way they're supposed to, they are born for connection, they are born for empathy, and they are born for compassion. That's how we're created. Obviously, things can go wrong. Yep, either in brain chemistry or the environment or whatever. Nature, nurture, things can go wrong. But for the most part, that part of the brain is super strong, like the you know I'll get to this later but part of the book they talk about um, people of course there are selfish behaviors that people have but the selflessness is like a bulldozer like it wants to get in there mm-hmm. like it, that that part of our brain that higher part of our brain is super strong and powerful right. and even in sometimes you know those moments in in movies or in songs or in TV shows when someone's about to do something really bad and they just stop mm-hmm. it, that's and again that's acting but it, it's it's mimicking that thing where you know when someone's about to hit someone and they just stop the higher part of our brain doesn't want to do that what about jenny from uh forrest gump when she's about to jump off the balcony yeah self-preservation probably a million different that's just the first thing that popped into my mind well and we see those in our own lives you know the moment that we're about to say something cruel or the moment we're about to flip someone off and sometimes the selfish part overtakes and there's a lot of reasons for that yeah being overstimulated not having people be empathetic to you having like being in anger where your whole brain shuts off and you can't get to your higher self. So there's all sorts of reasons. But um, basically what they argue in this book is that people need to do more compassionate communication. Hmm. Isn't that great? Yeah. So it's exactly 
what you would think it would be. Um, it's that we're finding, or they're finding, and we also know this, that people are talking to each other without listening, yep. right? And that people become very defensive quickly. Like, I could be talking to you, Todd, and telling you a story, and I'm still talking, and you're still focused on something I said 30 seconds ago, and you're just waiting for me to be done so you can jump on me yeah. about the way I said something. Or I'm trying way. to formulate my own response at the expense of whatever it is that you're saying right now. Exactly. Like you're not, you're completely, you were just telling me a story about that. What was that? Cold crank. Yeah. So explain what that is. So I was at this men's workshop this weekend and there was an idea that was presented by one of the leaders. We do at these men's uh, meetings is we do check-ins. Basically means everybody goes around in circle and says something regarding whatever it is presented. And many of the times we all are, Instead of hearing each man, we're trying to formulate what it is that we're going to say when it is our turn to talk. So that, I don't know how they came up with the term cold crank, but I thought I think of like gears that are kind of getting that are warming, warming up. up. Yeah. And he's like, no, don't warm up. Stay cold and don't have any idea what you're about to say when it's your turn. And when it's your turn, just start talking. Yeah. Because what happens when you do that is you give everybody else your absolute presence when they are talking yeah. and then and vice versa, the other men are giving you that same thing. So it's a, a really, I've never heard that term before. I've, you know, uh, there's specialists on listening and you're always being told that you have to, um, you know, not wait for your turn to, to say something because you're not giving them your full presence anyway. So. Well, and I also think it's very connected to how we show up authentically because I actually had an experience a week or so ago where I was meeting with somebody and I was thinking about how I'm going to present myself, how I'm going to talk to this person, how I'm going to get my point across. And I decided to do nothing. Mm -hmm. I decided to, instead of make a plan and decide how I was going to talk to this person, I decided to show up and just be myself, which I guess would be a cold crank. Yeah. I decided to be be in the moment with that person and care less about needing to make my 10 points and care more about being a completely present. Right. And I think when we do that, people can feel that. For I sure. think that Oh, when, there's an energy, there's a bio whatever energetic field that um, the men will feel more loved when everybody's giving them their presence. You right. can't calculate it. You can't put your finger on it. You can't necessarily explain it. But when it's happening, it's a feeling in the room. And I think that's for the listener. But I also think for the person speaking, then I'm truly sharing how I really feel in that moment rather than a canned speech about yeah. this is what I wanted to say two weeks ago and now I'm presenting it to you. And it took the pressure off me mm -hmm. to, instead of being like, I need to say this well and perfectly, I actually hear a lot of women say this to me um, when they want to have a talk with their spouses. They'll come up with like a big speech. Yikes. They'll be like, here's the things I'm going to say, and I'm going to make him know this and this and this. And and there's almost like a pattern of or, or a thought process of wanting to win the argument so yeah. that they are going to come back with every comeback that they can you know, they're going to make sure that nothing has been left unchecked. So if he goes here, I go here. And if, you know, and it, it, there's such, I mean, it's okay to like have some points you want to make, but it's such a disservice to show up already done. Well, you and I have said that from the get-go when somebody's at the Academy Awards and they bring out their piece oh, of paper. It's the worst. Like I would much rather fail miserably 
and wing it yeah. than hit it out of the park and read off a piece of paper. But I don't think anybody hits it out of the park when they read off a piece of paper. I think that's, that's like true. A, it's, it's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. I, I get bored and I get tired and whenever I see any, and I've challenged even some men that have spoken in, in front of groups and I'm like, ditch the paper ditch and it. trust yourself. Yeah. And now I will say sometimes I have like a note card as like, Hey, if I totally blank out, I need something to go to. Right. But that's about as far as I'll usually go well, with it. Yeah. Like you can have some words, like here's the points I want to make. So if I'm like, okay, I'm done with this point and I'm not sure where I was going next. Okay. Here's the next Fine, point. But, yeah. but it's like, I almost think that, and I could be completely wrong and naive, but like when Patricia Arquette a few years ago talked about equal pay for women, I feel like that was off the cuff. Mm. I feel like she was like, oh my gosh, I have an opportunity here. Yeah. And maybe she thought to herself, I'm going to somehow say mm. it, but it was so out of this deep, like place. Place. Yeah, maybe there's some people out there that are talented enough to memorize something and speak about it with intention and energy. I mean, it would be naive for us to think that there's nobody out right, there like that. But for most of us, you know, we don't have that ability. Well, and again, you know, this is the whole thing about compassion and authenticity is when you show up fully as yourself, when you show up and like you said, I'd rather hear somebody speak off the cuff and fail miserably. I don't think, again, you can speak off the cuff and fail miserably. I think when you are showing up and you're talking, of course, you're going to have some ums and ahs and you may kind of trip over your words a little bit, but there's something very um, lovely about that. Or it's the people that, because if you've done your work, whatever it is you're about to speak about, if you've done your work, it's inside of you anyways. Correct. For the ones who don't do their work, then they may be forced to read off a piece of paper. Correct. So it's just that that even tells you something about you know, the message that gets communicated. Right, is that they're communicating somebody else's message. Right. That's, I just said to Todd about a week ago, something that's so interesting to me about this show, it's not even interesting, it's just something I appreciate and have gratitude for, is that the things that I'm talking to you guys about, um, I am reading and talking to Todd about anyway, and I know he's doing the same thing. And so basically we just get to put a microphone in front of us and talk about what we talk about anyway And that makes the show a gift to us. And hopefully then you guys know that what we're sharing with you is not, we're not trying to convince you of anything. It's just like, here's a thought. Here's like a way to look at this. Here's the way we talked about Ghostbusters here. And you can agree or disagree. It's, it's okay. The point is, is that there's not a lot of, uh, time <laughs> put into here's how we're going to say it. No. It's just more like we here's tried how that I think. in the beginning and it didn't work out real well. I don't, did we? I don't no. remember planning. I too remember much. planning a lot in like the first three shows and I was talking like this yes. and I was nervous because I wanted to say it perfectly. And now I don't have a freaking clue what I'm going to say. And if I stumble over it, like I already did, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I was going to say. Right. And that's okay. Big whoop. That happens to me all the time. I think a lot of times when our brain is going a mile a minute because we have so many ideas, yeah. sometimes it's it's you know it's annoying. And at the same time, I think it's really stimulating because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm all over the place. So let me say um, the next thing about words, unless you wanted to stop and say. How about our second partner? Yeah, go ahead. John J. Kelly Dentistry. God bless that man. Um, ChicagoDentistOnline.com. He's worked on two out of our three children. He's about to start with number three, and he's a smile designer. So check him out, um, chicagodentistonline.com. Thank you, Dr. John Kelly. So one of the other things that they talk about with um, compassionate uh, communication is that the suggestion is to make three positive comments for every negative statement. Mm. And again, that sounds really like uh, prescriptive. Like Mm -hmm. I have to say, you know, and again, everybody take this as information rather as you have to do it this way is this helps looking 
looking on the bright side of things helps us communicate more effectively. Um, and I think, again, going back to since we're in this political time right now, you know, looking at the two conventions, again, regardless, it's not even Republican, Democrat anymore. It's a whole new ball of wax that we're dealing with here. It's historical. It's historical. We haven't seen this before. Uh -uh. <laughs> I don't even know what language she's for it. But as you guys know, the last show we did, I was exhausted because I did watch the, you know, uh, the convention and it was so negative and so heavy and the words literally sucked the air out of my system and I understand that that can be effective for making people afraid but it also completely paralyzes people and takes all the wind out of their sails you know it really it like it it gave me I have a girlfriend who I was just with who ended up having all of this like stomach pain hmm. and she was connecting it to food she actually called me because we had gone out to dinner and she's like do, are, do you have any stomach issues after our dinner I'm like no and they continued and they continued and they eventually subsided and then when she was watching the news the next day and saw like a repeat stuff started from the again. convention, it started again. She goes, oh, my gosh, my gastrointestinal issues are being connected to what I'm hearing in this. And we're like, yeah. Yeah. And so there's that. And then there's last week with some of the words that were used at the convention about hope and about optimism and about. So you're going back and forth between two different con conventions. Yes. Okay. So, so um, well, I was talking about the first convention. I said that my I was. I had a hard time even doing a show where because it was so I felt so full of negativity depleted depleted and then the convention from last week the democratic convention I it was like there was air being breathed back into society it doesn't mean that the problems have gone anywhere people you must understand that yeah. th this isn't about now the democrats have solved the problems it's not that it's that the way words matter the way we talk about the issues that we are confronting makes a difference in our ability to confront them we're either going to run and hide in a cave and say hey mr man you go solve it all for us which is completely impossible mm. or we're actually going to be inspired and empowered to like take some things on and say we can do this and as and and this is possible. Did you just call him Mr. Man? <laughs> I'm trying not to use words. I know you're not of people's names. This is what this uh, when you just said that say three nice things for every yeah, one. Yeah, you know, negative right criticism or whatever. It reminds me of coaching. I used to read the coaching soccer for dummies book, and they would say if you're going to criticize one of your soccer players, make sure that you say three or five things of good things he or she did before you say the one bad thing. Correct. And it goes back to parenting. Ask yourself, there's parents listening to this podcast right now, how often do you um, say positive things about whatever it is your kids are doing? I think it is, uh, I'm not gonna say hardwired, but sometimes it's easier to point out what's going wrong in your kids Always. or the behaviors than it is in what's going right. So the only way to do that is to exercise that muscle and set an intention and um, follow through with it. So ask yourself, grade yourself. How often are you saying something nice about your kids or how often either to them or about them? And how many times are you going to say, will you clean your room up, please? And you know what? If you want to create some new neural pathways in your brain, start looking for things. Like say, wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to look for and notice the words that my children are using and notice how they're talking to each other and find 
the times that they're making choices that feel good for yeah. themselves and others. Um, when I was in yoga teacher training, one of the things that my teacher would always say is in any pose and whenever you're teaching or helping somebody else or even as a student in yoga, always find the beauty in your pose first. Always find the beauty because once you find the be beauty in it, there is like a freedom where you're actually like instead of being all stiff and you know um, rigid, there's a fluidity to you. And then find maybe the places that you can improve on. Yeah. And so find the beauty in your kids first. I, I actually... Um, you know, and again, why I say create new neural pathways is if you have a mindfulness practice of I'm going to notice things that my children are doing well, or I'm just going to notice them being beautiful, loving people. I'm going to notice their smiles and I'm going to notice these things. I mean, you know, going back, um, you know, really far here, uh, way back in Oprah world, Toni Morrison once said on the show, um, it, we actually did a whole show about this, but you know, all children are looking for is do your lie, do your eyes light up when I walk in the room? Um, and even though I know that's been talked about a lot and everything, we got to remember that. Like when our children walk in the room, are they looking at us and we're just noticing what they didn't do? Or are our eyes lighting up simply because they're present and we love them and they're here? It doesn't mean that then you let them do awful things. That One of the points of this article, the reason I liked it about words matter, is it doesn't say don't notice the negative. It says notice the negative, but have the stability of compassion around it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not about pretend you're in la-la land and nothing's going wrong. Right. Well, and I don't think we have a whole lot of trouble noticing the negative as human beings. I think it's... We're biologically wired to notice anything that could be uh, threatening. Yeah. Yeah. So um, quick resource. Um, we did a show back in May of 2013. And it was called Sticks and Stones, Sweetheart. Okay. okay. Um, and this is a quick bullet point from the class our friend's daughter came home saddened by a classmate who said something mean mom replied with words schmerds don't worry about it her daughter said but those words hurt me so we did a whole show i don't remember what we talked about but i'm guessing it's if this topic resonates with you, you might want to go back in the archives and listen to zenparentingradio.com slash 124. We've actually done shows on why words matter and why they don't matter at all. I actually wrote an article in my, I think it's in my third book um, about... What's the name of that book? Uh, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. Um, but the, the gist of it was that words mean nothing, meaning that when someone says something to us, we don't have to take it as being truth. And that words mean everything, that words carry an energy and they actually send out a ripple. Right. So it's our decision whether or not to accept that ripple, but to say that words don't matter, or to say to our kids when someone hurts their feelings, oh, it shouldn't matter, it does. Right. But then you can also, once you recognize that they've been hurt by words or that you've been hurt by words, then to say, they hurt me, but now I'm going to let them go. Yeah. So you don't have to integrate them and take them in as gospel. You know. So, so again, the paradox, words mean nothing, words mean everything. Yeah, a lot of paradoxes out there. I know. And so, again, this is more about how words can actually change how your brain processes things. Um, so here's another thing that's kind of interesting. Research has shown that the number of words spoken in the home has a huge impact on verbal development of children. So positive words have an impact on their developmental skills. Mm. So actually children hearing more positive words in the home actually allows their brain to function more 
I was going to say appropriately, but it allows the neurons to fire the way that they're supposed to and allows things to connect easier because the more negative words that they hear, there's more stressors, like there's more cortisol, there's more like protection and I'm under threat. And actually that kind of cortisol surge actually decreases your ability, your brain's ability to function appropriately. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm trying to give you the research so you understand right. why. That's exactly what I was going to say. This is not Pollyannish. No. This is not us telling you what we feel. This is research-based. So when there are more positive ideas that are written into a kid's brain, it changes the actual set point in the brain in the terms of how we regulate our emotions. So the more positive, you know, I'll say that in a simpler way, the more positive we hear, the easier it is for us to regulate our emotions. The more negative, and this makes total sense, right, Todd? Yeah. If we're hearing a lot of negative stuff all the time, which we tend to in the news and in, you know, in this crazy times. That's why I don't watch the news. That's why we don't watch the news is that our emotional stability gets unsettled and then we are much more anxious. We're driving more stress hormones and cortisol into our body and stress cortisol, that cortisol in our body actually makes us sick. Mm. Not only does it change our brain development, we get ulcers, we get headaches, we get fatigue, we get, you know, immune system issues. I mean, this is, you know, this brain, this, this mind body thing that people are still willing to question, there's no question anymore. I mean, we know this, right? We got to figure it out. It's science. It's science. But there are some people that think climate change isn't real, too. So, That's right. I'll believe the scientists. Somebody <laughs> said that last week. <laughs> Hillary did. Did Hillary say yeah, that? Yeah, but we're not going to get into the political no, stuff. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. Um, so anyway, um, actually, on that point, since we're saying Hillary... Um, there was a point brought up recently, again, this is kind of connected to women and images and how we view them, of why we aren't saying Clinton because we say Trump, mm -hmm. but we say Hillary. Mm -hmm. And um, you were mentioning that you say, that many of us, including me, say Barack. Yeah. Why don't we say, a lot of people say Obama, though, too. I think it's a mixture of both. Like, um, why do we call some people by their first names and some people by their last names? I can't speak for everybody. I just know I was actually challenged by a good friend uh, regarding uh, referring to the president as Barack. Mm -hmm. And I, I defended myself as best I could, saying he seems like very relatable. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I say Barack with reverence. Right. Because I respect the man. And I would be lying if I said, you know, when I say W. It's probably not with the reverence. <laughs> so anyways, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Well, but. It, but it's just an interesting thing. Like, again, this is all part of self-awareness is why do we use the words that we use and why do we not use certain words? Great and I don't, I don't have answers yeah. for all these. It's just when that was brought up about, um, you know, why do we call one candidate by their first name and the other candidate by their last name? What is that? Yeah. And, it, and someone may say, well, that's the way they've portrayed themselves. Yeah. So it's not really been up to us. It's been fed to us. Well, and maybe if you say Clinton, you know, that's confusing because we have two Clintons that... That could be true. You know, that could be true. Hillary's, that, you know exactly who you're talking about when you say that. Yeah. So let me finish this just by giving a little more science. It's not boring, I it's promise. Science. It's science. So the more positive and enriching an environment you have for your children, the more neural connections that they'll make. The brain itself is just more highly connected and more able to be creative when they're hearing, when it's hearing positive things. I don't think these are shocks to us, you know, but when you are in place 
least when you are in an environment that's really deprived and very negative, the brain just naturally makes fewer connections. In fact, when you're stressed, you really, we already talked about this, releasing the cortisol, which can actually damage the brain. And so it means that you're not going to create a brain that's as interconnected as it can be. So these are just things to think about when we go back to that old parenting style of I need to yell and use fear so my kids respect me and so they learn. This new science, when we talk about the science is refuting, is that the right word? Yeah. Refuting these facts. This is not like trying to win and saying your way is bad, this way is good. This is, we know scientifically that that kind of interaction with a child actually decreases their ability to connect be creative, and have a sense of emotional stability. Yeah. So if you're like, well, I feel like I should yell because my parents did, allow this research to give you some leverage to not. Exactly. Break the trend. Break the pattern. Evolve beyond your parents. Your parents did the best they could with what they had. It's your turn to do your share of evolving. So can I play a non-politically correct um, clip from Ron Burgundy? Um, I guess. He talks about uh, just... Prepper is a very non-feminist thing because he talks about ladies' small brains. Is this um, Anchorman? I, Anchorman. Oh, okay, thank and you. And he says it's science. Okay. That's why we keep saying it. I'm a man who discovered the wheel and built the Eiffel Tower out of metal and brawn. That's what kind of man I am. You're just a woman with a small brain, with a brain a third the size of us. It's science. It's science. It's science. <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing is that... Is it ba- am, is it, am I a bad person because I'm laughing at Ron Burgundy right no, now? No, because it, we know how crazy and idiotic that right. is. That's the thing is, you know, we used to have... There were beliefs it, written into our Constitution that certain people were less than certain people. Yeah. I mean, that that women didn't have the same rights. Like we, their belief systems, we have to be able to look at that and acknowledge where yeah. we came from right. so we can start to understand of why this Only is The only way so to get crazy. past something is to look at it, Brian Stevenson, right? Exactly. You have to acknowledge the way we've treated people in the past. Or our thought patterns in the past. And our thought patterns. And, and, our, and again, we don't have to be so critical and say all those people from the past are horrible people. They were fed this information and then we have to say, but this isn't true. Mm-hmm. And so we will not perpetuate these kind of stereotypes and these belief systems. And, you know, the reason that this is funny, that Ron Burgundy is funny, is there's men who really believe stuff like that, who really believe that men are just naturally smarter. And they don't even look at, you know science and the truth um and we one of todd and my favorite jokes is um you know old school daily show with john stewart's when samantha b was a correspondent she now has a show that i watch and i love but that's a whole nother thing um she was there was an issue about women being i can't remember it was a political campaign what was she talking about i don't remember but but her big quote was you know john my lady brain just Mm -hmm. can't handle all this information and so that's a joke between todd and i now is where I'm like, I'm sorry, my lady brain just can't, you know, there, I try and use humor. I think what with, happened was there was like some senator who talked about how women how are women's less brains. intelligent. Yeah. And, and I use humor to keep me from anger. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a frustration. Laugh or cry. Yeah. What are you going to do? I know. I'm and, laughing. Yeah. And, and that's the way we keep it out in the open, you know? Um, can I, because uh, we're getting into the show a little bit, can okay. I say one thing that I learned from my weekend workshop? Sure. Um, and I don't know if it relates to what we're talking about, so you might have to help me okay. with it. But it's just a one, one quick phrase, because there was a, a moment in the weekend where a man told a story about how 
um, somebody, one of the men had hurt somebody, either verbally or emotionally, and the, the leader said to him, forget intention, what's the impact? Mm, beautiful. And with that, because I, it's funny, I caught myself, because I'm always about intention, set an intention, what was your intention? And sometimes intention is not enough. What is the impact of your words? What is the impact of your behaviors? And I have always said, well, but, you know, like, which is a small step between you and I, like, sweetie, I wasn't trying to hurt you by going out and being too late with my friends that night. Yep. Forget about the intention. I know you know me well enough to know that I was not trying to, I was not intending to hurt you. Yep. But what's the impact? Yep, exactly. So that was powerful for me. So I just needed, the, it's a little well, nugget of truth that I'm going to start using. And, and what's I, the impact? I kind of feel like that is what I try to talk to the girls about all the time, is when they're having a discussion or a fight or an argument, my process is always with them. What did they say to you? And when you said that to her, what were you trying to convey? And when you said that back, was that a helpful thing to say back or are you just hurt? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like constant self-awareness of just because you you wanted her to know this and just because you think you have the right or that your intention was to get your need met, can you understand that you still hurt her? And that's that Louis C.K. quote that I said a few weeks ago is when a person tells you that you hurt them, you don't get to decide that you didn't. Yeah, it's the you, exact same thing. Exactly. You don't get to say, well, I didn't intend to hurt you, therefore you being hurt doesn't matter. And that happens all the time, even in our, in our house. But I wasn't trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So what's mm-hmm. the impact? How does She's crying. Mm-hmm. The impact is she's crying because you hit her or because you said something wrong or because of this or that. So, And it's very connected to a discussion you and I used to have early in our marriage, which is that wouldn't hurt me, therefore it shouldn't oh, yeah. hurt you. It was a big lesson for me. Right. And that is actually, and when I say this, Todd, I don't mean that this is you overall, but there is a lack of empathy in that mm-hmm. because there's an unwillingness to step in someone else's shoes. Yeah, that was early days. And I I had a really hard time with that like because I kind of let things fall off my back very easily to a fault. And I think everybody else in the world should be like me. Right. It's nuts. Right. So, um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that this whole empathy thing, and again, I've been, like I said, I've been reading so many books about empathy for getting ready for my class this fall. And what I've recognized is what I'm pulling together is I'm actually going to use a mixture of what we talk about and what most empathy experts, including um, Roman Krasnarek, his book, what he talks about, which is he uses the language outrospection, mm-hmm. which is that he he kind of hypothesizes or has decided that we've been too navel-gazing for the past 20 years. And navel-gazing means we've been too interested in our own selves and so we haven't been as focused on other people and that we have to start being more outrospective and putting ourselves in other people's shoes i hypothesize or i have the way that i look at it is we have to be introspective and have self-awareness to put ourselves in other people's shoes until we recognize and so it's not denying what he's saying i agree with him completely but i would like to add also to that when you have felt a feeling and you know what that feeling is and you can attach a word or an understanding to that feeling, then when somebody else has an experience, you can empathize with them because you've felt it. Yeah. If you're just trying to empathize without self-awareness, 
it's almost virtually impossible yeah. because you're like, well, I've never felt, you know, well, I've never lost anything. Yeah. Baloney. Yes, you have. Yeah. There's almost like such a self-protection that you have to be willing to be vulnerable and self-aware to step in someone else's shoes. And and I think that was part of it before, Todd, with you was it wasn't that you were selfish. It was that you were unwilling to feel your own feelings. So you would be more if I was having a feeling, you would be like, I don't know why you're having that feeling. Yeah, and I would shame you for it, either through my energy or from my si- or from my silence or even maybe through my words. But usually it was probably energy or silence. Right, and and you never were shaming. Like, you you never said you shouldn't feel that way. There was just a lot of, like, you're too emotional. It made emotional. you feel bad. Yeah, you're too emotional. Um, can I do a quick plug for my New Warrior training adventure? Sure. So I'm staffing, I belong to this Mankind Project, and I'm staffing a weekend in late October. So if there's any men out there that wants to um, have a vehicle of authentic conversations with other men, please shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com, and I'll get you the details because this will be my second staffing, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I really hope I can get some uh, men to join me on that weekend. So that's so, it. Uh, so we have a few other things coming up. On uh, Monday, September 26th, we have the documentary screening of Screenagers, which is about how to talk to our kids about living in a digital age, how to talk to them about being so connected to technology. And it really is, at least from what I understand um, and what I've seen, is it's about communicating with them. It's not about demonizing technology, because as all of you know, you're so connected to your phones. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to this on your phone probably right now. So it's not about, it's it's not all or nothing. It's how do we have this conversation and communicate with our children? Um, and so that is Monday, September 26th. Go to zenparentingradio.com. You'll see events and get your tickets there. You have to get it through us, even though it's at York Theater in Elmhurst. And on August 23rd, uh-huh. we're Tuesday. doing the big um, Zen Gets Real announcement on who's going to be there and all that good stuff. Which means that's our conference. That's our conference yep. that takes place in February 24th and 25th. I will say that if uh, any of you are planning to go and you happen to have a business and you'd like to uh, sponsor and have a tabletop at the conference, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com because we're going, we're uh, making this available to certain companies uh, as an early bird special to be on the website when we make the announcement. Yeah, and do it now because it'll be better. Yeah. Bet you get more for it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and there's a discount too. So, anyways. So anyway, um, that is our conference. So we have that coming up. And then also we have Soul Love Fest. Um, September 17th and 18th. Um, go to soullovefest.com. Mm-hmm. And we also have a Zen Love for 20% off. So if you go to uh, Soul Love Fest, which is in Oswego, Illinois, and you can find that on our website also. Um, it's kind of a whole weekend of yoga, mindfulness, self-awareness. Um, and you put in Zen Love, then you get a you know discount on your ticket. That's right. Um, and then what else? Oh, we have a few um, reviews nice. on iTunes. One is in Spanish, sweetie. So this will be my opportunity to speak Spanish because I... You used to. I was in high school for four years and I learned it. Gran podcast. Que nos da lesiones de vida, especialmente para padres y madres, pero muy útil para cualquier persona que quiera vivir una vida consciente. Nice. So I think it means great podcast, great lessons, especially for moms and dads. Um, and then there's something I don't understand. <laughs> well, that was, but you did a nice job. Thank you. And then the other one, and that was from Marina. And Thank this you, one Marina. is from Joe Deasy from the USA. Oh, the, how about that lady's from Spain? 
Yeah, I know. That's what oh, I... Oh, I didn't know that. I thought she yeah. was from America. I got an email... Um, Marina. From Marina. Because Marina's... Um, we have reviews, you know, from Marina from Spain and from some other people um, in our international listeners, and they don't show up on iTunes right. here in we the have States. A special thing, it's yeah. like a special place. So I try and go there and look occasionally because I appreciate that feedback. No and, doubt. You know, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And then the other one is from Jody Z. Uh, I don't want to live in fear, but I definitely fear the day Todd and Kathy ever stop doing what they've done <laughs> or what they do. I've listened for over a year, and it's my secret weapon to much calmer parenting. Oh, that's nice. Moreover, Kathy and Todd's rapport is a good reminder to being a more understanding spouse. Good thing I don't live in Chicago because I'd creep stalk them so they <laughs> would be my friend. You could creep stalk us. <laughs> I'd love to be creep stalked. No. Yes, why not? In the meantime, She's I'm happy they're jokey. in my life. No, I know. Um, our third partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Jeremy is a good friend, and he's a bald-headed beauty. He is. Um, where's the wisdom, sweetie? Um, let's see. I I have so many things. I don't know. Um, I'll just say that, you know, talking about this this whole idea that words matter and images matter i think that it just reminds us to again be more mindful about the words we choose be more mindful about what we um you know what we show our kids what we value um the the language because there's a lot of people out there that talk uh and in the media on the radio whatever and and is what they're sharing helpful to all? You know, is what they're saying the way we really want our world to be? Um, I think it's important to have that in mind and also be thoughtful about the language we're choosing to use with our families, the people that we love, our friends, and that when we do choose words that don't demonstrate a compassionate communication, that we can always backtrack and we can say, you know what? Let me start over. I didn't do that well. I say that to the girls all the time because sometimes I'm just in blah, 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 like, you know, I'm just in like autopilot and I'm saying things a certain way. And when it comes out, it's almost like I feel the negativity that I just put out there. And I'll say, let me start over. Let me explain this in a different way. It's okay. You know, just like we were talking about when someone's given a speech on stage and they trip over their words. Sometimes when we're in our authenticity, we have to be willing to to backtrack, stumble. stumble, and then say, wait a second, I didn't do that perfectly. Welcome to being a human being. Yeah, and people appreciate that. It's wonderful. That's such a deep self-awareness to be like, you know what, I'm going to try that again. What a thing to teach our children that we don't expect them to do it perfectly the first time, that we that sometimes it takes our brains a little while to, to find the right way to say something, that we can apologize and say, let me try that again. Are you saying it's okay to back up? Uh, ouch. So loud. Not in my ear. Not in my ear. So my words of wisdom are forget the intention and what's the impact? Mm-hmm. And whatever the impact is, acknowledge. Yeah. Real quick, there are, people are like, oh, but that's my truth. Yeah. What What is the impact that your truth is that you're saying? You know what, Todd? That is so powerful yeah. because that is one of the things I've found in this profession that Todd and I are in, which some people call self-help or they call, I don't think it's motivational. I don't know what you call it. New age, sweetie. You like new age. I don't like new age because it, it, even though I used to feel connected to that in my twenties, new age, I feel like that is really outdated and it doesn't quite grasp what we're doing. It's kind of like um, at Disney World, um, Tomorrowland looks retro 70s-ish. Yeah. Well, 
well, New Age is kind of the Tomorrowland <laughs> yeah, of right. the self-help world. Um, but anyway, it's it's that it's I lost what I was saying. Forget intention. What's the impact? Exactly. My truth, people's truths. The truth. That's it. Is that people in this line of work tend to throw things out there and they'll say, well, that's just my truth. That's my truth. That's my truth. And I used to work with fifth grade girls all the time. I occasionally still do, but I used to do it a lot more than I do now. And they would do that all the time. They would say things like, well, I'm just going to tell her how I feel because that's what I think. No. What's the impact? What's the impact? It's okay for you to have your truth. And with someone that you trust and that you love, you can, and who you know, there's like a mutual decision to have this conversation. You can share this person hurt me or I'm mad at this person, but you don't just get to blurt negativity in the world and then say it's my truth. Yeah. You don't get to just, you can, you I can. guess, but there is a ripple effect backwards on yeah. you. And there, there is something, instead of calling it political correctedness, let's call it compassionate communication. Yeah. Like, you know, political correctedness, people are like, that's just the most negative, awful thing ever. It The word has been morphed mm-hmm. into something crazy yeah. where basically people now are like, I get to say whatever I feel yeah. all the time. We can't, as a society, we can't live that way. Yeah. We have to be able to have our beliefs and feelings and our own self-awareness and have empathy and compassion for the person we're communicating with. Yeah. We don't just get to drop all of our crap on people that's right so that's my so to close the show for no reason whatsoever i just want to close with the song 40 by you two and i'm oh, i'm only gonna play 30 seconds of it but it's on my itunes and i want to play it because i love it okay so thanks, we'll bono. see you guys next week thanks bono and edge and larry and adam and all you listeners your friends my buddies felt outstanding so there's some different ways you can support us Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event or you can also tell a friend about our podcast if you ship Amazon go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first it doesn't cost you anything but Zen Parenting will get a small commission you can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZOO. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. 
click on the link on the lower right hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about the tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking. Thank you.